nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I am the co-founder of Financing Solutions, and Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States uh, for lines of credit for small nonprofits. We've been in business for over 12 years. We have this niche where we really help a lot of nonprofits, a very popular product or line of credit for nonprofits is great for managing uh, uneven cash flow. And so if you're interested in learning more, if you want to get a quote, a free quote uh, to what you might be qualified for, uh, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Also, I want to apologize. I'm still dealing with this head cold. It's been going on for two and a half weeks now. So I'm a little nasally, <laughs> not the best thing on a podcast. Um, but today we also have a sponsor, uh, Arrays, Arrays Fast Fun Online. It's spelled A-R-A-I-Z-E. Um, and Arrays is, uh, is accounting software specifically made for small nonprofits, small, medium-sized nonprofits. I really believe in the product so much so that I, I'm on two nonprofits and we are just adapting Arrays' product for one of the nonprofits that I'm on the, on the board of. And I really believe in having software specifically built for an industry. So if you're using QuickBooks or some other software that's not made for nonprofits, I would highly recommend you take a look at a raise. It's not expensive and it's really built perfectly for a nonprofit. And you can reach them at arrays.com. Again, it's A-R-I-Z-E.com. Or you can call Joe at 866-840-7449 and he'll be happy to help you. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Lynn Arsenal from LMA Grant Consulting. Uh, Lynn uh, is founder of LMA Grant Consulting LLC, uh, works with nonprofits and social impact organizations nationwide to secure the grant funding they need to succeed. Supported by a growing team of grant consultants, LMA Grant Consulting has partnered with more than 23 organizations since its founding and raised over $14 million to date. Lynn, welcome to today's um, nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, Lynn's actually a returning guest. I mean, I, I there's uh, I've been doing a lot of this. I've been asking guests that had you know were really great on the, the their first podcast to come back again. And you know, today we're going to talk about how to streamline your grant writing process for success. And you know, Lynn, uh, is this topic more geared toward people? who already are applying for grants or is it more for newbies? You know, I actually think it could be applied to both, uh, especially right now. We're still kind of at the beginning of, of the calendar year. And a lot of folks are thinking about how can I ramp up my grant application process? How can I improve it? Or how can I kind of get my feet wet in it? Like, what are some of the things that I should be thinking about, the information I should be pulling together in order to make sure that I can uh, streamline my process for the rest of the year and really plan far ahead and have the content ready to go when needed? So I would say it actually would be good for both newer nonprofits that are just starting to get into the grant world, as well as, uh, you know, organizations that have been working on grants for a long time and maybe just needs to improve their capacity and think about how to streamline their processes. 
Yeah, I would, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to come up with an acronym that, that I think it's important for uh, organizations to know. And I, I would say ABG, always be grant, maybe writing. So, I mean, ABGW, yeah. right? You always, you have to always have that, that uh, pipeline, mm-hmm. right? It shouldn't be a one-time thing. But having said that, I mean, most of the smaller nonprofits, they don't have a dedicated grant writer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess someone like, I mean, do, you, do people go to you and say is, I want AB, uh, ABGW, but I want you to do it? That's a great question. So I would say the two main things that we offer to, to nonprofits One, I would say kind of our bread and butter service is that we offer these retainer packages where we will work together for a minimum of six months. And the first month is really focused on our uh, strategy development. We're putting together uh, exactly what we'll talk about today, which is a boilerplate template and putting together the content that most funders typically ask for. We do really in-depth prospect research and develop a grant calendar based on their capacity and the pacing that they're thinking about for the entire year. So then in the following months, that's when we're executing and we are applying for those grants that uh, that align with their mission. And we are keeping up with that pacing that they're hoping for. Um, And it has proven to be really successful by having this initial month that we are really focused on how can we streamline this process for you? How can we make sure that our future months are set up for success? And so basically today, that's those are kind of the skills that we'll be going over. Then the other area that we offer to, to uh, organizations, I have seen um, time and time again, organizations will come to me and they'll feel like, okay, we're ready to explore the grant world. But after having a 30-minute conversation, it becomes really apparent that their organization isn't actually well-positioned for grants yet. There are a, a few things that they need to get in place to make sure they'll be successful for grants. So now what we offer are these 90-minute strategic advisory sessions where that's really what we're honing in on. We're working with new nonprofits that uh, need some time to have someone assess where are they at as far as grant readiness and what are the very specific action steps, tools, and connections to other individuals that they may need in order to get their nonprofit from where they are now to a point of grant readiness, because that's a really important first step to take before actually applying for grants. So I would say those are kind of our two big focus areas. We also have clients that come to us for one-off projects. I have lovely clients that I talk to maybe every six months where we'll we'll touch base and they say, you know, we don't have the capacity for a long-term grant writer, but we need, you know, one-off support on one particular grant, maybe because that organization just doesn't have the budget to uh, have some, you know, a company like ours on retainer. But we love to have those relationships and support those smaller nonprofits in that capacity as well. Do you know what your hit ratio is overall? Our hit ratio, you mean as far as like how many grants we're winning? That's a great question. So I would say I've been doing a lot of kind of research on like what is the national average success and how does that compare to what our team is getting? Um, In previous years, there were a lot of there was a lot of data out there saying that 30% 
nationally was considered a good win rate. And that was across all sectors and all types of funding. So 30%, which sounds really low. Earlier this year, just in January, there was an article that came out that said now they're estimating one in 10 grants is considered average success, which is 10%. Yeah, I actually thought I've 30 seen... I actually thought 30% was really good. You know, yeah. I thought wow, that's really good. Now 10% is uh, feels very low. Yeah, well, that's a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, but it's what I would have expected. So Yeah. Go ahead. But what what we're seeing, you know, by working with clients to make sure they're well positioned for grants, making sure that uh, we are finding the right fit funders, which is incredibly important. And making sure that we are reading between the lines with what funders are actually asking for and building relationships with funders, our clients are seeing 50% or higher success rate. It's really hard to, you know, we can't really give a specific number that says like, this is what your organization will look like. And the reason is because there's a lot of factors involved on their end to make sure that they'll be well positioned, make sure they're following through with, uh, you know, introductory calls to potential funders, make sure that we're retaining funders and stewarding them throughout the grant process. Um, I have one client right now where I almost think of them as like an anomaly. I'm always shocked. I would say they have about a 90% success rate. That is not the norm though. I would say not to go into the grant world expecting that, but it's exciting to see that when we're really well positioned and we have our content really solid and we're building relationships appropriately, that that is possible. Yeah, you know, I um, I used to th- do bids uh, for uh, uh, for a really big company um, and influence bids, and uh, that's not the right way to put it. But you know, I did so that company that was getting ninety percent. I think that they are the uh, they would be the model for this today's mm-hmm. topic, which is about streamlining your grant processing because the only way you can get a ninety percent hit ratio is if you are making sure you're picking the right grants yes, and you are, and maybe you can give me a different word, but influencing the decision makers in your favor. I would say one of the things that I am constantly encouraging our clients to do is think about how can you build a relationship with a potential funder? When you are considering applying to a grant that maybe is a funder that you're not familiar with yet. I always recommend taking a look at their their board, their staff, their trustees. All of this information is usually publicly available. Also take a deep look into their website and see if they offer or are open to exploratory calls. Because if they are, take advantage of that. It helps you tremendously to have someone to be able to kind of go to bat for you on the other side. So when they receive that proposal, instead of having it be a cold application, someone on the other side can say, oh yes, I spoke to their executive director. They're doing really great work. Let me tell you a little more about them that maybe you won't get from just reading their application. And I, you know, kind of speak on behalf of your organization, being able to leverage uh, networks and connections is always very helpful, but also just reading the website, see if they're open to an exploratory call. I will say that some funders are adamantly against that. So you want to do your homework. There are some funders that it will say very clearly on their website that they don't entertain exploratory calls. So if that's the case, 
you know, don't do it by the process, you know, don't, don't try to uh, skirt around that. But when they are open to it, take advantage of that. And it really, really has proven to lead to success. What percentage of the applications that you've experienced, if you have your boilerplate Mm -hmm. answers down, what percentage of those, uh, applications that you're applying for allows you to use a boilerplate response? 80% Mm -hmm. of the questions, 50% of the questions? That's a great question. So I would say almost every grant, we're able to pull some information from the boilerplate. I will say it's never going to be a copy and paste situation where it just takes five seconds to apply for the grant because the most important thing Very similar to when you're applying for a job, you want to cater your resume and a cover letter to the job you're applying for. You want to make sure it's really clear to an employer when they receive a resume that it's clear that you know nothing about who they are or what they do. Uh, A grant proposal is exactly the same. You want to make sure that in your writing, you are catering your answers to the funder. That doesn't mean you can't have a pre-existing template very much like a resume that you would then tweak and update. So you want to take that boilerplate language, modify it and adapt it based on how they're asking the questions. Make sure that you're showing how there's an alignment and that you really recognize what that funder's focus is and then go from there. So I would say really 100% of the applications will use at least parts of the boilerplate, but it'll never just be a copy and paste situation, you know, 100%. I will say though that it, it, it creates this opportunity to streamline your funding process in a way that if you're writing a grant from scratch, a foundation grant written from scratch can take around 10 hours, sometimes more, depending on your experience. If you have a boilerplate template on hand, In my experience, it's cut the time almost right in half. So instead of taking 10 hours, it'll take five hours. And then the more experience you get, it can take less, maybe three hours. It also depends on the specific grant. There's various, you know, how complex it is. It it varies. Um, So you want to make sure that you're not just overgeneralizing, but you can really confidently go into it and say, this is going to reduce my time significantly by having everything together in one place and having a plan set. You've been doing this now for 10 years more. You know, I have been over the past 11 years, I've had kind of a combined background as a writing teacher and a nonprofit professional and now a business owner. So I've been doing, I've been involved with nonprofits um, and teaching writing for, for over 10 years now um, in various ways. I would say I switched over from teaching where, you know, I was uh, a teacher overseas in the Peace Corps for two and a half years. And then I was a writing teacher for a while. Um, And then it was in 2000, uh, I want to say 2017, that I switched over 100% to uh, the nonprofit sector uh, directly into grant writing. And that was after getting my MBA in nonprofit leadership. So... You being a professional at this now, what have you noticed the biggest difference is where you are professionally in writing grants 
versus new people coming in to the space. What what's the gap there? What mm-hmm. what do you notice that you're just really good at that it takes someone mm-hmm. else a time to develop? I'm so glad that you asked this question because this is something that uh, I was just talking about with someone recently. How when I first started grant writing, my first job where I was, uh, or my first nonprofit job, I should say, where I was doing grant writing, I had this really amazing boss who her former job, she was an editor for um, an international newspaper, and she was not afraid to give feedback. And she was also very good at grant writing. And by having a boss like that, I learned so much and there were so many times that she would give me feedback that I would say, ah, I, I wouldn't even wouldn't have even thought to do that. But now it's ingrained in me of like, what would she have told me to do? And it improved my grant writing uh, process significantly while I was working for her. And since then, you know, now years later, where I'm not only the one, you know, doing grant writing for my clients, but I have a team of grant writers doing writing for for our clients. Now I'm able to look at their writing and say, okay, what are the key areas that we really need in order to compel a funder to give? What are those connecting points? So this all leads into kind of actually how I have created this boilerplate template, what I see as most important to uh, to share with a funder, and also what is most commonly asked. I find that oftentimes there's questions that funders will ask that you have to be able to read between the lines a little bit. For example, oftentimes funders will ask, what is your sustainability plan? And they won't say much more. They'll say like, how is your program sustainable? Even though it doesn't sound like that, sound like it, excuse me, that's a financial question. So there are many ways you can answer that. You can answer it programmatically and saying how you plan to expand your program. That's great. But what they're really getting at is they want to know that you have a diverse stream of revenue, that you're not relying solely on grants to exist, that grants are only deepening your impact, and that you have X, Y, and Z, whether it's program fees, individual donations, board contributions, major gifts, fundraising events, or other areas of income that are also supporting your program. That shows that you have a diverse revenue stream, that you have a sustainability plan, and that your your program will not collapse if they don't renew their funding at the end of the grant cycle. So understanding how to read between the lines is incredibly important. And I've found that over time, that's kind of where my brain has shifted, where you might see a question, but actually take it a little deeper and yeah. think, well, what is the funder actually asking for? Well, and to put yourself in a position where you, you're you unique in your application, because my next question was going to be, yes. have you ever been on the other side where you were reading all the grants and you saw you know, the good ones from the bad ones? Mm-hmm. You know... A lot of times when I start working with a new client, I like to look at what have you already written in the past? Let me see some of your previous grants. Uh, and really let's think about, you know, if if your challenge is that you haven't been getting funded, let's look at your grants and see why. What, what is going on? Um, 
both looking at that and also, like you said, kind of being on the other side, uh, there are sometimes, I wouldn't say very often, every once in a blue moon, there is a funder that maybe you'll apply to a grant. And I came across one that said, as part of this process, we invite you to review other grants that are being submitted. You have to be part of the review process as like a community member and provide feedback. Mm. That's a great opportunity for an organization to see what other writing looks like. And then it helps, you know, certain things stand out versus uh, like what isn't so great. Some of the things that are really important, exactly what you said, is making sure you are explaining how, how you're different. There are always going to be other organizations that have a similar mission to yours, but what makes you different? If there are two nonprofits applying for the same pool of funds, yours and another one, and both are on the funder's table, you have to convince them that your organization is worthy of supporting. So think about how are you different? What is your impact? And tell some stories. Have, you know, make sure you're incorporating a storytelling aspect into your writing, showing the impact that your organization has uh, within your community. So there's a lot of ways to do that. And all nonprofits, you know, they have different focus areas. So it's really important as well to have a trauma-informed lens when you're writing. I have a wonderful colleague, Maria Bryan, who focuses specifically on uh, trauma-informed messaging. And I would say if that's an area that you are struggling with, I would check out her work and, you know, chat with her and see how can you incorporate that. But that's a really important aspect as well to the writing. What else would you, you know, the topic here being streamline your grant writing process. So give me the top three things that someone needs to do to streamline their grant writing process. Yeah. So the three things that I would recommend, I would recommend uh, developing a boilerplate template so that you have this, this content kind of pre-written and ready. The reason for that is because so many Uh, funders will ask for similar questions. They'll ask for similar information. They just ask for it in different ways, but they don't always ask for all of the information. So what ends up happening is you have 10 different grant proposals written and you start writing a new one and you're like, I know I answered this question at some point, but I can't remember where it is. I can't find it. So now I have to recreate the wheel, try to remember what I wrote. Create this boilerplate template that has the key information that you need. And what I like to include in that boilerplate is, uh, let's see, it's about six different areas. Include your organization background, your need statement, which shows what is the need for your organization in the community. Outline your goals and objectives. I like to separate that from your methodology. So your goals and objectives are the, what are you doing? The methodology is, how are you doing it? Then an impact and evaluation section where you are taking a step back and saying, what does success mean to you? How will you measure it? How will you know if this project is successful? Your sustainability section, which we talked a little about earlier. And then I like to have a pre-written closing as well. A lot of times funders will have 
this final question to a grant that says, is there anything additional you'd like to add? And sometimes it kind of stumps people because they'll say, no, I, I've answered 100 questions for you. So I like to have kind of a pre-written closing, sort of a fill in the blank. You know, you want to modify it based on the funder that basically thanks the funder, uh, gives them some contact information for how they can follow up with you if they have any questions and remind them about how your mission aligns with their focus as well. So that was, you know, number one, write a boilerplate grant so that you have it to streamline your process. Number two, I would make sure that you are improving your prospect research approach. And when I say improving, I mean, you need to think about certain key areas. The biggest challenge that I see for nonprofits sometimes can be, it's not always, but can be that they're applying for the wrong grants. Make sure that the grants that you're applying to take, you know, take a look at their website, take a look at their tax forms, look at who else they're funding, and make sure that their geographic interest aligns with your geographic impact. Make sure that their mission, vision, and values are related to and align with your mission, vision, and values. Make sure that uh, the type of grant that they're offering aligns with the need that you have. So for example, there's capital funds that support the cost of things like buildings, capacity building grants that support staffing, program grants, operational grants. Just make sure that you know if you're if you're applying for a program grant, a lot of times uh, those grants may not cover the cost of salaries. Make sure you're reading that fine print and that you're not asking them to cover the cost of salaries. That will land you right in the no pile. You also want to take a look at their past giving patterns. See if they have supported organizations similar to yours and at what level of giving. You want to make sure that your ask fits within the range that will make sense for that funder. So I would say, so number one, boilerplate. Number two, improve Research. your prospecting. And number three, create a grant calendar for your oh. whole year that aligns with your grant goals. When I create a grant calendar, I look at it more as a workflow document rather than just noting when the deadlines are. What I mean by that is, you know, there are certain months that there's just a lot of grants due. For example, a lot of funders will uh, have the end of their fiscal year or have the end of a quarter be their deadline. I find that for this reason, a lot of times June just seems to be a big month for, for grant deadlines. So if you have gone through, you've done your prospecting, and you're finding that there's five grants that are due in June, one grant that's due in May, spread those grants out. Make sure you're not doing them all at the same time. It's going to align better with your staffing capacity. Get ahead of the ball. And also look at how much time each of those grants will take. You should never be... Uh, working, you know, last second trying to pull together, say, a federal grant. A federal grant is massive and it takes significantly more time. Make sure you're planning ahead for that. So if it's due in March, if you're able to, if the application is open and you have access to the questions, start that several months early and put that in your grant calendar for the month that you want to start working on it, not the month that it's due. But make sure you're indicating that due date. Does that make sense? You know, really look at it as a 
as a workflow so that you're not suddenly finding yourself in this situation where you're like, there's so many grants that are due, I'm never going to be able to get it all done. Make it easier for yourself and spread it out. Yeah, I I think of it as, you know, building systems. And, you know, when you're moving from a small nonprofit to a medium nonprofit, the biggest difference is the executive director is not doing everything anymore. And, Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to teach other people how to do that. And, and you, you need to get out of the habit of the executive director reinventing the wheel every single time a new employee comes in or someone else is doing grant writing. Uh, you need to be able to come up with a system and say, I don't care who's going to be doing the grant writing. Uh, it's, it's, this is our methodology. And so, you know, I think when you talk about streamlining, everything you just talked about is involved in building that method, that streamlining mm-hmm. methodology process so that, you know, and then, you know, listen, you're not going to go from zero to a hundred percent perfect in one year. It's going to be mm-hmm. a three to five year process where, you know, you're going to probably go maybe one out of every 20 grants. And then by the third or fifth year, it's, you're doing half the amount of time, a quarter of the amount of time, and mm-hmm. your your hit ratio goes three to 10. I mean, is that yeah. fair to say? Absolutely. And I would say something that I always encourage my clients to do when they're in that process, because it's, it's always going to be a learning process. When you receive a rejection, and you will, because it's part of the process, follow up with that funder, see if they would be open to providing feedback, whether it's over email, over a Zoom call, over the phone. Funders are used to receiving that question. That's a very common follow-up question. So it's not you know, crazy to follow up and say, hey, thank you so much for your consideration. We appreciate you spending the time reviewing our application. Uh, I like to say, you know, our team always looks at this as a learning opportunity, and we'd love to receive any feedback so that we can improve our grant writing process in the future. Would you mind finding some time to connect? Do you have any feedback for us? Um, I have seen that work in such a positive way because sometimes the funder will will be very direct and say, "This is this is exactly why you didn't get funded." But a lot of times, it's it's that. Uh, There were so many applicants that there just wasn't enough funding to go around to support all of the good organizations that applied. So having that follow-up call can actually build rapport. It can build a relationship. I've actually had an experience where I had that conversation and they said, you know, I really, I was rooting for you guys because I really like the work that you're doing. And you know what? Would you be open to me uh, taking your application and putting it into the pool of applicants for the next round of funding? And we said yes, and it led to funding just a few months later. I've had other times where we've had a call and they've said, you know, this is the reason why maybe you didn't get funded. And again, it, it is often because of the, how, just how competitive it is. But now that we know more about your organization, we recommend that you apply for this different stream of funding, or we recommend that you connect with this other funder that we know, because now we know more about your organization. Always follow up. Uh, it can it can really lead to future success. Yeah. You know, my, my take too on it is, uh, I, and I would relate it to two other areas in my personal life that I've seen. But the, the first one is, you'd be, be surprised how many people don't follow up to mm. ask those questions. So you think, oh, I'm annoying them. 
right? They might mm-hmm. take it in the wrong way. And it's the complete opposite, right? Exactly. Uh, that's the first thing. And I'll give you some instances too. So when my, my son was applying to colleges four years ago, uh, he got turned down by Georgia Tech. And I was a little bit surprised, right? So I called up and I spoke to the, the, the admissions officer. <laughs> and, you know, he told me exactly why. And, you know, and I asked him, do you get a lot of calls like this? And he goes, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was one way. And the other thing is, interesting. you know, I, uh, we have two clients at Financing Solutions. We have 80% of our clients are nonprofits and 20% of them are, our clients are small business, for-profit businesses. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit surprised sometimes um, how um, I, I, I do two podcasts, one for the nonprofit sector and one for the entrepreneur sector. And how many entrepreneurs who are kind of starting their businesses, quote unquote, don't reach out to me to want to mentor and for me to mentor them because I've built seven companies. And then when I was starting my business, that's the first thing I was looking for was a, a mm-hmm. mentor. So, I mean, it, it's a little bit of a, of a stretch talking about following yeah. up on grant writing, but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, you, you differentiate yourself by doing things that people don't do. Yeah. And what we're saying right here is follow up on the grants, which should be yes. part of the streamlined process for every grant that we lose we are going to follow, follow up and see what happened, mm-hmm. put feedback. And, and, and you know, I, I think the best way of doing this too, not to, uh, to make this the Steve Halas and the Grant Running Foundation uh, podcast, but is, is build the system of grant writing in place where you're not gearing it toward one person in your organization who is always going to be doing it. You want to set it up so that whenever you have – whoever you have in that role, mm-hmm. they have a process in place because then you've built, yes. but let's use that word, sustainable model of yes. grant writing as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, everyone has such a different system. The system that I like to use is very simple. I like to use Google Drive when it comes to keeping everything organized yep. as far as grants. And being being very organized in that way and making sure we're keeping um, all of the information about different proposals together. I even, you know, if there's an email communication that was particularly valuable between us and a funder, I will save that and add it to the folder so that we can look back and see like what, what has been the communication with that funder. Um, having just simple systems like that can really help make sure that if if you have one person doing grants, someone else could come in and catch up and learn and see where you are. Also keeping track of things like what are the grant portal logins? That seems like a very simple thing, but if you have an organization that applies for 50 grants a year, you want to make sure that you are reapplying for grants that you previously received support from. So make sure that all of those logins are saved somewhere uh, where it's easy to act easy to access. You have the logins, you have the passwords, because you don't want to recreate the wheel every year, have a new person have to set up a new profile, create new information. Uh, You want to be able to build off of it. So keeping organized is so important. Um, I've had clients who kind of laugh at me where they say, you know, I I just, I can't believe how organized you are. Each of our meetings, uh, 
I always like to come ready with a very specific agenda and everything is hyperlinked to their Google Drive and we have shared folders and it just makes it so much easier to, to stay organized. And then when I have, you know, we have our, our team that's growing, I think you mentioned this earlier, you know, the last time when I was on this podcast, I was a business of one and now I'm a business of four. And it's important that all of the information is uh, usable for more than just myself, more than just my client, but whoever is supporting them, whether it's their staff, whether it's another team member of mine. Uh, but what, what you said is so, so accurate of make sure that there is a process in place for more than one person to be able to work on these grants over time. Is there software out there that is for grant writing that does everything that you just said, which is, all right, helps you, even the whole format of what you talked about. These are the logins for the uh, stores that, these are, you know, it prompts you through everything. These are all the contacts. This is the, these are all the, is, is there software like there that's out there already? Yeah, there is. So there's a lot of different um, like software that supports nonprofits in so many different ways. And I find that a lot of times fundraisers especially will use uh, different CRM systems, so customer relations management systems. Uh, most of them are really catered towards organizing information for individual donors. So oh. small dollar donors, major gifts, not necessarily foundations. But I will say that one platform that is really catered towards grants is instrumental. Uh, and they have they are one that I know a lot of grant writers use. Um, they do have a platform for staying a little more organized and, and also they, their platform supports with prospecting as well. So they're one that I would say um, is great to use. I feel like, you know, organizing grants is something that, um, again, for whatever reason, most CRM systems aren't designed specifically for grants, but Instrumental is one that well, I would recommend. Is it a big company or no? Yeah, it's a pretty big company. Oh. I actually, they were uh, a guest speaker for one of my webinars last year. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I also do, you know, free webinar sessions for uh, nonprofits uh, once a month from February through July. And I like to bring on guest speakers myself from yeah various platforms or just other experts in the area. Uh, they were a guest speaker last year and yeah, people use them from all over. Um, you know, I would say they definitely have like a, a nationwide, if not international impact. Uh, but yeah, they're really great. It's too bad. I was going to offer, I was going to say to you, you know, Lynn, you, you should make software for grant writing, you know, yeah. and do everything that, you know, cause Google drives can get a little unwieldy, uh, and you don't always follow the same format, would it be nice if there was a fixed, like you were saying, uh, instrument does it. So uh, there's always yeah. someone who is doing it. So it's hard to find exactly. a niche. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find it. Maybe you could do it better. But um, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that advice, though. You're kind of planting a seed. I feel like um, I do have fun sometimes with a little bit of website design. I am by no means a web developer at all, but I like using Weebly and, you know, working on creating my own uh, platform. So that's a great, that's a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to tuck that away for a future, um, you know, moment where I'm feeling particularly motivated. There you go. In between your grant writing. 
<laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank so very much Lynn Arsenal from LM. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Lynn? Yes, you are. Okay. Yeah. From LMA Grant Consulting for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you like today's podcast uh, or any of the other ones we've done, please give us a five-star review. It helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Lynn, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Great question. So I definitely recommend that they check out our website. It's www.lmagrantconsulting.com. Right on our website, there's a contact tab. Uh, they can either you know, schedule a consultation with me. My email is also on that tab, which is lynn, L-Y-N-N, at lmagrantconsulting.com. You're more than welcome to reach out over email, schedule a consultation, uh, or join one of our free webinars, which you can find out information on that uh, right on our website as well. Great. Thanks for coming on, Lynn. Thank you so much. It was great, great joining and glad to be able to catch up again. Sounds good. So uh, I want to thank all our listeners out there. Um, you guys are out there every single day. Uh, making the world a better place. And I thank you for that. I know Lynn and I both have our responsibilities to everybody else to do our best to make the world a better place. But you guys are out there every day. And I really thank you for that. I just want to remind you that you're no good to your organization, your family, your friends, and even yourself if you don't take good care of yourself. So you should come first every single day. Take good care of your health and, and, uh, and the rest will follow. So other than that, I just want to wish everybody a great day. And we'll be seeing you next time on the Nonprofit MBA podcast. 